0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I want you to turn with me this morning. We've been doing a series of sonship, and we're going to continue with that today. And uh, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 15 in your Bible, Luke chapter 15. And um, we're going to speak a little bit today about the repentant son. And uh, while you're turning there, you know, it's kind of funny how life works, if you will. Um, This week... Yesterday, as a matter of fact, um, I had several conversations yesterday morning. Uh, I was on a golf course, and I had some conversations concerning an article that was in the paper yesterday morning. And that article was about the young lady whose two-year-old was on the street. And, and uh, they went to the house, and, and you guys probably read it, right? And then everybody, it's, it's tragic. It's terrible. It's a, it's a horrible thing. And I, I sympathize with all of you who say that, and I say the same thing. And except one thing I want you to know, and this is what I always said in every one of those conversations she was one of our kids. I mean, that changes the narrative sometimes. All right? She was one of our kids. Uh, Kayla Edmondson was a, a, the daughter of Kathy Gentile who came to this church, and Kathy got radically saved. God set her free from drugs and alcohol. She's done a lot of things in her life. And, and when I read that name yesterday, I was trying to connect the dots. Connect the dots. Why, what, what? And then it hit me, and I was talking to Teresa, and, and it was like, ah, oh, she was one of our kids. And why do I say that? I say that to say this to you, that as a, as a, as a shepherd, as a pastor, as um, a church, we don't approve and we certainly don't condone of everything that everybody who's ever went out of this church has done. But nor do I disown you because you've done something. Come on. I may know sometimes your children of your own family do stuff you'd rather they didn't do or wouldn't have done. And I'm just telling you, the culture of this house is, what you, if you do it, what I say to you is you shouldn't have done it. It's stupid. Take your lumps. Take your consequences. But I ain't disowning you. Amen? So, so, so many times, I just, I, I just, no, we just can't do that. We just cannot do that. One thing about children, when you give them unconditional love, they always have a place to return home to. Your unconditional love as a parent is the north star for a child to come back. Amen? And i got to tell you, as a church body, we must be always unconditional in our love, so that it's a fixed point by which people can come back to. Amen? So what we do now, what do we do now? We pray. We pray for her. We pray for the situation. We pray for a turnaround. We pray for a miracle. We pray for things to happen, uh, that God would make things happen. And um, we pray for repentance. We pray for a change. We pray, and we love. And we love unconditionally. Amen? Amen. So let me talk to you. I've been talking about sons, and God's plan has always been for sons. Let me do a little refresher of where we've been. God's plan has always been for his sons. Jesus was God's begotten son that he gave, who became the perfect son so that you and I could become sons of God. That the Bible says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. I become a son of God. And through faith... In Christ, I now am accepted and approved by God. All right, I'm considered righteous, a condition approved, a state approved and accepted by God. I am born again into sonship. Last week, we talked about what happens. Because I'm a son, all right, because I'm a son, God then puts the spirit of his son inside of me. All right, how many know I become a son first and the spirit is given to me then? All right, it is the spirit of God that now begins to help me live out my calling and my destiny as a son. How many of you know you never st- in a physical sense, none of you in this room have ever strived to be a son or daughter. You were just born. You did nothing. You had nothing to do with it. You were conceived. Your mother carried you in your womb. You were born. You never had to strive for sonship. Listen to me. In a spiritual sense, I want you to understand something. You cannot strive for sonship. You can't. You just receive it. And you just are. Now you begin to live as a son, and you begin to act as a son through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you don't do anything to get it. How many of you know that should bring great security and rest to our life? It just brings great security. and It brings great rest. That I cannot strive for something that I can only be born into. Before I can find fulfillment in what I do, I must first find fulfillment in who I am. Many people are trying to find fulfillment in what they do. When the first place of fulfillment comes from is who I am. I'm a son. I'm a child of God. So I don't strive for sonship. Once we're born, and once he puts his spirit in us, we begin a journey. How many are on a journey? Right? A journey has a destination. But how many know the journey can be joyful? You know, how how many of you would confess sometimes when you've ever gone on a vacation, you've ever gone on a journey with your family, you got in the car and said, buckle up, we're going to get there. You're white knuckling it. Okay, (laughs) We're going to get to California. We're going to get there as short as time as possible, and we're not going to enjoy the journey at all. That's you, Jen? (laughs) All right? You're just white knuckling it. All right? Listen to me. You might as well enjoy the journey. Take the time to enjoy it. Visit a few things along the way. How many know this journey to maturity in Christ can be a joyful thing. Thank you, all right? And so the Bible tells us the story of, we know him as the prodigal son, the lost son. There's been hundreds of thousands of messages probably preached on this, all right? And there's far more, I've preached on it multiple times. But I want to speak on it today because there's a point that we have to understand as sons that must happen in our life if we're going to become mature sons of God. And so it says in verse eleven, and, and Jesus said, "A man had two sons. Let me stop right there. Say, wow, that was quick. I, I, it hit me this morning when I was reading this again. Two sons. Isn't it interesting? One was not one was not more of a son than another. How many know one of you? If you're all saved in here, not one of you is more saved than the other. Not one of you is more a child of God than the other is. But how many know we like to measure ourselves against ourselves?" Right, Uh, one didn't carry more genes of the father than the other one did. One didn't carry more DNA of the father than the other one did. I mean, know in our relationship with God, Jesus is the great equalizer. You know, we all need Jesus, and we're all saved because of faith in Jesus Christ. You're not more of a son than the next person, and the next person's not more of a son than you are. Now, now, I mean, know in your family, your children are not more of a child than that child, your other your sibling. Now, how many know sometimes that there is maybe the favorite child? How many know that creates a mess? Just ask Joseph. See, my sisters like to say I'm the favorite child. I can't help it. I'm the nicest. (laughs) I can't help it. I'm the one that's easier, easy to be loved. I'm just sorry. (laughs) Now they're watching this on live stream and they're going to like really be ticked. But just remember this. When I read this this morning, two sons, not one of you in this house are less a son of God than another in faith Christ, faith Jesus. The younger of them said to the father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. All right, now I'm going to stop there. Because I'll get this. I'm reading this this morning, and I'm reading it last night, and I'm pondering it all week. And it says, he had two sons, and the younger one comes to him. And this word, younger, it meant the one who was immature, recently born, young, youthful, kind of like me. Compared to some of you, I am. (laughs) All right, but I'm going to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to talk about this immature son for a moment. That, that this immature son, this one who's immature, let me talk to you about him for just a moment. He comes to the father and he says, I want what's mine now. All right, I, I, I want it now no matter what. Uh, immaturity says, Give it to me now. Immaturity, how many know immaturity can't handle the things that are mature? You see, immaturity has this tendency for the immature to say or want. Immaturity wants what others have in their maturity. All right? How many of you ever remember being a teenager, wanting what your parents had? Your parents were in their mid-30s, and you think you should have it just because. Right? That I should have it just because you have it, and because you have it, I should have it. Immaturity wants what others have in their years of maturity. Here's the father. The father has an estate. He has an inheritance. The immature son says, I want what you got, and I want it now. I want what you have in your maturity. Listen to me. There are some things I have because I am now 54, and if you don't have it because you're 30, oh well. (laughs) Okay? Like, there's a lot of things I have now that are are more than when I was 30 raising teenagers. Amen, Tony? Sorry, I'm just making sure she's over there paying attention to her father. But the problem with this is, he says, I want... And this immaturity wants what others have in their maturity. But immaturity also wants what others have without paying the price for what they have. All right? This is amazing to me. I've watched this stuff all the time. One of the things as a pastor, you get to deal with family situations, right? And sometimes you see situations where families are divided over stuff. Children are divided over stuff that they never worked for, they never sweat for, they never made an investment in, and all of a sudden, they're fighting over this stuff because they're immature, and they want to fight over the stuff that was never theirs, that they never paid for, that they never paid a price for. I want it, and I want it now, and I don't care if you had to pay for it. I want it. How I many of know that's immature? All right? Sometimes, we will find ourselves in a place of immaturity that causes division among people because we want something that was never ours in the first place and we never worked for and we never paid for. He says, I want it now, Dad. Immaturity, watch this. So here's what happens. So he divided, and this is interesting to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, I thought about this. The younger son comes to him and says, I want it now. But he didn't say, I want it so that I can go do my own thing. I want it so I can go wild living. I want it so I can do it. No, I just want it now. He didn't leave immediately. The Bible says a short time later, days later, that he then leaves. Because how many know the immature cannot handle the things that the mature have? Right? God says, I don't want you eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you can't handle it. How I many you know there's things in your children's life that you said to them, You cannot have this now, not because I don't want you to have it, because but because you're too immature to handle it now. You're not going to give your child a gun to play with. Right? You're your toddler. You're not going to give them a gun to play with, correct? Okay, just making sure. Right? Why? Because they're not mature enough to handle it. Alright? You cannot give the immature what belongs to the mature. So watch this. So now the younger son takes what was meant for him. It was an inheritance. How many know he was supposed to get the inheritance when his father died? It would be years later when he was more mature. But now the Bible says this, that he took it, and not many days later, he gathered everything together. He went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Hmm. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. Stop there for a moment. Do you see this? The father had an inheritance that was meant to be given to the son one day. When the son was older and he was more mature, he would receive that inheritance. But now he says, I want it now. I want it now. I don't care that you had to pay the price for it. I want it. And then he takes it and he loses it all. Because how many know immaturity may steal the blessings that are meant for your maturity? The immaturity, his immaturity took all the things that were meant for his maturity and in his immaturity, he now squandered them and would not have them in the years of his maturity. How many of you wished you had the money now that you wasted in your teen years? <laughs> how, many, how many of you like to have the money now that you wasted when you were 25? Right? I mean, literally, there is a lot of money that I wished I could go back and recoup in my mature years. But in my immature years, I spent it. Therefore, I don't have it in the mature years. There are things in your life that we're losing and squandering in our immaturity. So what happens? So this immature son, he says to his father, I want it, I want it now. I want what you worked for. I want what you paid for. I want it now in my immaturity. And I'm going to go spend it. And he went and he spent it all. So now what happens? This immature son now becomes the impoverished son. He's got nothing left, baby. He's got nothing left. So he spent it all in loose living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. Hmm. That word meant, it's an interesting word, that word impoverished. It means he was left behind in the race. Hmm. It, it means he failed to become a partaker in or fell back from. It meant to be left wanting or be found in lack, to, to, be, to be devoid of excellence or worth. He takes the father's inheritance in immaturity. He goes to a different land. He squanders this um, inheritance. And when he squanders this inheritance, he ends up in an impoverished state. How many of you have ever found yourself at rock bottom with nothing left? because of choices and decisions you made in perhaps a season of immaturity. Immaturity will lead you to an impoverished condition. All right? But listen to me. It was the immaturity that led him into a season of sin, and it is sin that brought him to an impoverished condition. An immature son, a sin produced from immaturity, will lead you to an impoverished condition. You say, that's not true, Pastor. Yes, it is true. Ask Adam and Eve how it worked out for them. They're in the garden. Everything is theirs. Everything. And all of a sudden they said, I want what's yours, God. I want what belongs to you. You said I can't have it. I want it. They took it. It was sin. And sin led them out of the garden. And it did not lead them to more blessing. After a season of of living, he's left without any power, without any influence, without any rank, according to what that word means. He's left without excellence or he's left without worth. I know some of you in this room, and I know the state that you got to after a season of sin, where you said, I got nothing left. I have messed it all up. Immaturity led to this impoverished condition. Sin destroys. Sin brings death. But this, this sin that caused this impoverished condition, what do you do when you're in a distant land You have nothing left. You have no money left. You have nowhere to live. You have no food. You have nothing. Nothing. Well, let me show you what happens. The immature son came to an impoverished condition that led him to being an indentured servant. Bound to somebody else. Bound to somebody else. I got a question for you this morning. Anybody here ever been bound to something they shouldn't have been bound to? You ever been bound to something that God didn't intend for you to be bound to? No, no, you're all Christians in here. Tim's going, nah. Ruth Ann has. Oh, okay. Indentured servants in Colonial Virginia. All right, there were men and women who signed a contract by which they agreed to work for a certain number of years in exchange for transportation to Virginia. And once they arrived, they would have food, clothing, and shelter. All right? So now the Bible says to us that this son of the father wanted his stuff in his immaturity, which led him to an impoverished condition, which now leads him into an indentured servanthood, where he hires himself out to someone of the land. Okay? Okay? It means, it literally means that he fastened himself. He bound himself to this person, to this individual of that land. He was now bound to somebody who was not his father. He was now bound to somebody in another country, outside the father's house. All right? We're bound to someone who only wanted what he could use him for. How I many of them are bound to the father? The father's bound to us. And how I many of we are bound to the father? The father's bound to us for our benefit. But now he's bound to somebody who's only out for his own interest. How many of the devil loves to bind us? And he loves to bind us not for our benefit, but to still kill, and destroy. And you have this impoverished son who's now becoming an indentured servant. And in our sin, we find ourselves bound to a master that is not our father. Some, for some, you're bound to another person. You have to have a person in your life. You don't do anything. No, you don't. God may give you a person, but the first person you need in your life is God. You find yourself bound to drugs or alcohol or money. Some of you today, you're bound to unforgiveness. And that is a wicked taskmaster. That's a wicked, wicked taskmaster. You're bound to bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy. You're bound, and it's destroying you. This is this, he becomes bound in a situation where there's, he's getting nothing out of it. How many of you can tell me stories? I could, I could go through here today and start pointing to people and saying, tell me about the time you were bound to something that brought nothing but, uh, nothing but heartache into your life. I could go through this room and find multiple testimonies. How about a Patrick? Come on, let me go tell you. About, let me go see my man Patrick. Yeah, well, how, many, how, many, how many remember Patrick Cruz? Come on, dude, stand up. I have a, you know, this guy here, he's my friend Patrick. Hey, hey, how many years you spent bound? 14, 15. 14, 15 years. How many now have you been clean and free? Three. July 2nd will be three years. Yeah. All right. And he's here, and he's here with his son, who's downstairs or back there or somewhere in this building, okay, with his new wife of how long? October 6th of last year. How many know? Come on. Listen to me. I could go in this room from people to people to people and say to you, here's somebody that used to be bound, but they're not bound anymore. They used to be an impoverished son. They used to be an indentured servant, but now they're a son of the living God. Come on. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And so what does this indentured son do? Watch what the Bible says this. So now we find ourselves... In a situation with this man, where he is in a severe famine, he's impoverished, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, aren't you glad for the day that you came to your senses? This means the the, the day that he came to the end of himself. Man, when you come to the end of the self, how many know you got somewhere to turn? He begins to think, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? I want to introduce you. See, I showed you the immature son. And I've shown you this impoverished son who became an indentured servant. But right here is the turning point because I want to introduce you to the repentant son. It is all because the Son chose to repent. As how many know every one of us have to come to a place in our life where we choose to repent? And repentance is not a one time thing. And it is not something you only do the day you get saved. Okay? And now He comes to a place He says, wait a minute, what I've done is wrong, and the direction I'm going is wrong. Repentance is literally turning and running back to the Father, it's returning to God. All right? His, now, watch it. All of a sudden, the state that he finds himself in, he's in a state that causes him to reflect upon his father's estate. You see, the father's estate causes the son to leave their current state. Watch this. It was not fear of the father that led him to repentance. It wasn't. He's sitting in a pigsty feeding pigs and he can't eat it. And all of a sudden he says, I remember my father's estate. I remember my father. I remember the goodness of his kingdom. I remember the goodness of his estate. Listen to me. When Jesus preached, he preached what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When John preached, he preached. He preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The point that causes you to repent is the goodness of the kingdom, not a fear of hell. We got to get over this thing of being, oh, I want to serve God because I don't want to go to hell. No, 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 no. I want to serve God because what God has is better than what I got. I'm a son. His kingdom. Jesus says, Look, here's the kingdom. Change the way that you think. Look at the goodness of the kingdom. Look at the splendor of the kingdom. Look at the majesty of the kingdom. And change the way you think. He says, I remember my father's estate. The father's estate caused him to reflect on his own state. The father's estate caused him to come to a place of repentance. The goodness of the father and his estate caused the son to repent, not fear of the father. We've been trying to scare people out of hell for years. Let's draw them into love. I've always said, I've always said uh, we, we always see it at Halloween. We're going to do hell houses. Every church is doing a hell house. When are we going to do a heaven house? When are we going to do a heaven house? Let's give people an appetite on what it's going to be like. Just a thought. The father's estate is better than any state you're living in. He says he thinks about his father's state. Bible says what? He said, I will get up. And listen to me this morning. I say to somebody in this room, father says, get up and come on back. Get up. You have laid there, and you have wallowed long enough, and the Spirit of God says, get up. Your Father's waiting for you. He said, I'm going to get up. I'm going back to my Father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Isn't it funny? He said, I get up. I'm out of here. I'm going back to my Father. One of the things he's going to do, he's going to go back and he's going to confess. I mean, you know, first of all, repentance isn't a feeling. You can repent without a whole lot of emotion repentance is literally i'm changing the way i live i'm changing my direction i'm going back to the father but when he goes back to the father he comes into a place of confession where he says father i've sinned against you and i've sinned against heaven i agree that my actions have been wrong and i'm confessing but here's the great news how many know this great 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 verse if we say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins here we go he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins aren't you glad you have a forgiving Father? So he says, "I'm going to go. I'm going to go back. I'm going to confess my sin." So we know what happens. He returns home, embarrassed, humiliated, shamed. You know, sometimes some of our kids in our churches come home shamed and humiliated, and hug them. What do you do? You hug them. His sin took him beyond where he would ever thought he would end up. You think he? Th- you think he went out of his father's house to end up feeding pigs with no money? He wasn't planning on getting there. You think some of the people that you've read about in the newspaper planned on getting there? Do you think that poor young girl had a plan of getting to a place where, at 25 years of age, her kid was on the street? Do you think that's what she wanted to no, know? Is why it's called addiction? That's why it's called bondage. That's why it's called oppression. Just telling you, nobody plans to get there. His sin had taken him beyond his DNA, beyond his lineage, had taken him beyond acceptance. And so now he's coming back, humiliated, brought shame upon his father. He fully expects to have to trudge through the village to endorse taunts, sticks, stones. Right, there would be punishment this is a, because you have to understand in peasant time there was a I taught you this before there was a ceremony that was called the kazaza everybody say kazaza you gotta say it with some, some, some pizzazz. kazaza <laughs> it's kind of like lasagna <laughs> and rigatoni and everything else it ends in a vowel. (laughs) that that any Jew who lost his money among foreigners would face the kazaza, the cutting off and this ceremony would be performed they would break a clay pot full of burned corn and nuts at the feet of the prodigal as a visual symbol that the community had rejected him forever in other words when he came back we're going to do this we've rejected you you're out All right, and they would cry out, saying that you're cut off, no shelter, no food, no drink. All right, this was his state. This was what he would face coming back. Just one slight problem: they weren't planning on daddy showing up. They weren't planning on that daddy was going to see the sun, and daddy was going to run to the sun, and daddy was going to say, "You're not doing it on my watch." You get it? Hmm. You see, the father goes beyond the boy's fault. He runs to cover the sun. You've got to understand something. No one over the age of 30 ever ran. I think I should adhere to that biblical principle. <laughs> they never ran for anything. Older men, especially those with a position in the village, walked very slowly and deliberately. Because your position was often gauged by your gait. Let me tell you how important I am. And in order to run, this father would have to pull up his robe and expose his legs. There's a reason I don't preach in shorts. I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. (laughs) Okay? He would have to gather the front corners of his robe, expose his legs, and it was shameful. But he knew what waited for his son. And he embraces him. I haven't thought about this. Yeah, he's hugging him. But how many know, if I embrace my son, it's hard for you to hit him with a stone. If I embrace him, it's hard for you to strike him. If I embrace him, you're going to have to hit me. Hmm? It's amazing. I had a conversation yesterday morning, and they were torching this girl. And I get it. But then I said, yeah, she's one of our kids. Conversation went, Sht. You don't disown your kid when they do something wrong. You'd like to choke them, but at least they're, yours still, they're still yours to choke. <laughs> right? So he comes back. The father does this, but what's what I want to show you? How many know, first of all, the reason, how many know repentance is an act of maturity? It is. Repentance is an act of maturity. How many of the son is being matured? Hmm? How many know hardship and difficulty has a way of maturing you? Anyhow, so here's the, father, the son. The son lives a season outside the will of the father. He brought himself to an impoverished condition. Reflection upon the father and the father's estate brought him to a place of Repentance. Repentance brought him to a place of confession and forgiveness, and now the 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 redeemed. Yeah, it's easy for me to say this morning. Now, the repentant son is now going to become the restored son. Listen to me. And repentance is not restoring sonship. Don't ever think he's being restored to sonship. He was always a son. He was a son when he was living in the pigsty. He was a son when he was living out there in loose living. I'm not saying, somebody say, well, does that mean he was saved? I'm talking about sonship here for a moment. Okay? Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He was not being restored to sonship. Okay? He was still a son. When your son or daughter goes outside and they do something they shouldn't have done, they're still your son or daughter. They just are. You're stuck with them. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But so he comes back, and it's not restoring sonship. There's consequences, yes. But he's not being restored to a place he was born into. He can't, he can't restore him to a place he was already born into. What's he doing? The father grabs him, he kisses him, he says, quick, get the best robe and put it on him, and get the, uh, put a ring on his right hand, the sandals on his feet. What's he doing? You see, it was the son's choice of repentance. The repentant son brings him back to the father's house. And now the father begins to do a work in the repentant son's life. He says, now I'm going to restore some things to you. And the first thing I'm going to restore to you is honor. I'm going to restore dignity to you. I'm going to restore honor to you. I'm going to cover your shame. I'm going to cover your humiliation. Get my robe and put it on him. Because how many know who the best robe belonged to? The best robe was daddy's robe. Get it and put it on him. How many know the Bible says he robed us in a robe of righteousness? How many know the righteousness I wear is not mine. It belongs to my father. He says, go get the father's robe. This is the one that the village probably seen him wear many times at important events. Hmm? The son would attend the banquet that they're going to throw. Guess what he's going to have on? Daddy's robe. When they see the son in the father's robe, they'll see the father. They remember the father. When they see him through the robe of the father, they see the father. I'm so glad I'm covered in the robe of my father and not my own. Because when you look at just me, I'm a hot mess. Maybe a hot sticky mess. Did you eat that dilly bar? Just checking. Did you eat your dilly Judy, I knew you. I knew you wouldn't eat your dilly bar. Who'd she give it to? Okay. I'm going to put another picture up next week. Repentance brought him to a place of restored honor. Repentance brought him to a place where the father said, I'm going to restore now your authority. Get my ring, get the signet ring, get the family ring, and put it on his finger. I may know that when he was living as an impoverished son in another country, he had no authority? I may know when he came back to the father and repented his father, said, now I can give you authority? And I may know you don't give authority to imp- immature people? You give it to mature sons. This is probably the ring that was the signet ring it was something that was used to, to conduct family matters. This probably really ticked the older brother off at this point. Put some sandals on his feet because he's not a slave. Put some sandals on his feet. But I thought about this. And I thought, you know, this repentant son comes back, and the repentant son came to a place of restoration where the father restored his honor and he restored authority and he restored this the the the, the, the standing of his feet. But something else that repentance cost. I love this. Repentance caused joy in the heart of the father. My son has come back. My son has come back. Do you understand the joy of the father's heart when you say, I'm going back to daddy? Do you understand the joy of your father when you say, you know what? I, I don't care if it's just a small thing that you have trusted him enough that says, I'm coming back to the father. The joy in his heart. I sit last night watching TV. I'm watching, I'm ready to watch the third period of the Pens, Pens game. Which then, which then God spared me from. But I'm getting ready to watch it. Because it was three, was it 3-2 going into the third? Yes. Ended up 6-3. Three. Anyhow, 3-2. Three, Liam comes over to my side of the house. Pappy, I'm going to watch a movie. What? I'm going to watch a movie. Okay, let's watch a movie. We watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Family Factory, okay? Why? How can you reject a little two and a half year old boy that comes and says, Pappy, I wanna watch a movie with you. It's not more important than the Pens game. Do you understand the joy it brings to God the Father whenever you come back and say, I'm coming to my Father? The joy in the Father's heart. He had so much joy, he said, get the robe, get the ring. Get the shoes and kill the fat cow. I am so glad. You see, there is absolutely biblical truth here. He did not say, Go kill the fat bean burger, the black bean burger, that we can have a party. (laughs) This is godly. He did not say, Go kill the fat chicken or the fat turkey. He did not say, Go to the garden and get the big fat head of cauliflower. Trust me, when daddy's throwing a party, there's no cholesterol in it. (laughs) I don't quote. (laughs) He said, get the fat cow and kill that sucker. My son is home. Because of the joy in the father's heart. Joy of the father's heart. This was the grain-fed animal kept for special occasions. One of the highest honors you could show somebody was to kill it on their behalf. Repentance. Repentance, sons, cause joy in the heart of the Father. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying this, that in our lives, what's going to happen is you have become, at some point in your life, you had to make a choice to come to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And when that happened, you became a son of God. And you're on a journey in that, okay? And on that journey, guess what? I'm going to tell you. Here's the good news. You're going to have some ups. And you're going to have some downs. And you're going to have some ins. And you might have some outs. But you have a place to always come back to. And you always can come back to the Father in a spirit of repentance, and when you come back to the Father in a spirit of repentance, how many know he's not going to reject you? He's not going to tell you to get out. He's going to restore your honor. He's going to restore your dignity. He's going to restore your authority. He's going to put things in your life because what he's doing is he's bringing you to an even greater place of maturity. Because how many know he's not the same immature son as when he left? He's just not. He's just not. It was repentance. Which is just simply saying. It doesn't mean you had to went out last night and shot up. It doesn't mean that at all. It could be for some the gossip that was shared about that young girl. Uh oh. It could be a lot of things. It could be the unforgiveness in your heart. It could be the bitterness and the resentment in your heart over something. That's sin and it will destroy you. And it's immature. It is immature to not forgive. Uh Uh-oh, how am I getting there? I don't know. If I'm saying it, it doesn't mean it's right. Well, yes, it does. Let's see. I'm just teasing. Here's the deal. You have to understand something. Unforgiveness is not the work of mature sons. Gossip is not the work of mature sons. Jealousy is not the work of mature sons. Bitterness and anger and rage is not the work of mature sons. I, I don't want to even point to the other stuff. The other stuff is obvious. Let's talk about the house this morning. Let's talk about what exists in Christian circles this morning. Let's talk about the garbage that exists in some of our churches because we're immature that we need to repent of so God can bring us to be a mature house where the immature can come and be safe. Because the immature cannot be safe in an immature house. You don't let a toddler watch a toddler. Bad news. You don't let a four and a half year old watch a two and a half year old. Sometimes they're not sure if they let a 54 year old watch a four year old. (laughs) And the body of Christ has got to become the maturity so people are safe. I'm not even going to get into the older brother thing. Some of the stuff he said was right. His attitude stunk. Isn't it a tragi- tragedy? It's a tragedy that even though what he said was right and he served his father, that he could not rejoice with his father. It's a tragedy that all he did for the father, all that he did for the father, caused him to be unable to rejoice. With the father. It's funny how the father says it. He says first, the first thing he said was what? The father says, get a robe, put it on him, put a ring in his hand, sandals on his feet, and get the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. This son of mine was dead. If you go to the end of the passage, he looks at his other son, He said, we had to celebrate and rejoice. Watch what he says. He changes it. For this brother of yours. This brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. The brother could not understand the heart of sonship. The brother cannot always understand the heart of sonship. But the brothers should be able to understand what it is to be a brother. In this house are many brothers. In this church are many brothers. That unfortunately, sometimes what happens in churches is that the brothers become jealous of the brothers rather than rejoice with the father over the brothers. Well, you don't understand. He got what I wanted. Well, let me tell you what to do. Suck it up, Buttercup. I got no time for some nonsense. I'm just telling you, I got no, no, I got no time for some nonsense. I got no time for petty jealousy. I got no time for maturity stuff. I, I got no time for that stuff. Grow up. Get over it. Wow, Pastor, you're really rough today. No, I'm not. I'm just like, wow, out loud. What is wrong with us? Rejoice when somebody else is blessed. Rejoice with your brother when they're blessed even when it seems you're not. Why? Because you're rejoicing with the Father. Rejoicing with the Father. And what happens is, because you can't rejoice for the brother, you bring sorrow to the heart of the Father. None of this was planned. (laughs) As As if they thought there was a plan. in a place where rather than causing joy to the Father, we're causing sorrow to the Father. Oh, well, Peter, Peter, they, they gave Peter more likes on Facebook than I got. Not my fault they don't they understand corny Canadian jokes. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to come to a place of maturity in our life. And the only way we can come to a place of maturity is when we become the repentant sons of God. They come back to the Father each and every time. But how many know it's not fear that causes me to come back to the Father? It's knowing who the Father is that causes me to come back to the Father. Come on, Troy. Everybody give Troy a hand. Yeah. I just waited. I wanted all the focus to be on him. Here's what I want you to know. You know me. I like to have a lot of fun when I do stuff. I have fun when I preach, but I'm very serious about what I'm preaching. There is no way that you can become a mature son of God without, an act of, without the act of Repentance. Sometimes I, sometime I got to do it for thoughts. Come on, anybody ever had a thought you need to repent of? You always know, oh, tell me you're a bunch of Christians. You know, anybody ever had any words that you wish to just repent of? Any actions? Come on. You, you know, one of the greatest things you can ever teach your children—repentance. Tell me. Repentance is a sign of humility. How many of you ever wronged your children? How many of you ever jerked your children? Tony, if you even move over there. (laughs) Hi, Liam. 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 Hi, dude. (laughs) Hi, Carson. Yes, we interrupt this sermon for a pappy moment. Repentance is not a scary thing. not. It's not even an emotion. Oh, it can be connected to it. It's not even being sorry for your sin. I know lots of people who are sorry for their state, but have never left their state. I know lots of people. I'll listen, I can take you to a bar and sit down with you and, and with a couple guys and I can sit there with you in a bar and I can tell you, they're going to tell you, don't end up where I am. You don't want to be here. They're sorry for where they are, but they've never left where they are. So it's more than being sorry. It's a literal action that says, "I'm here, going there. My father's there. I'm going to think about his goodness. I'm going to think about his state. I'm out of here. I'm going back to my father." And then what you find, what you find will blow your mind. What you find will blow your mind. It rhymes. Paul, Paul, I'm a poet. Repent repent. Because repentance, listen to me, and I promise to be done. Maybe. Repentance will bring you a greater revelation of the goodness of the Father. He thought he knew who his Father was until he repented and he found out the depth of his Father's love. Then he found out how deep and how wide is the Father's love. Man, my God is good. Man, my God is good. Father, today, in this house, would you help us? Would you help us to understand that the act of repentance isn't just to get us into sonship, although that takes that, but rather repentance is an ongoing act. For sons and daughters who want to be mature. That there are actions and there are things that we do that take us away from you. And there are things that we do that take us to impoverished places that bind us to something we don't want to be bound to. But then we come to a place where we say, wait, 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 wait. My father has something better than this. And we have an awakening. And that awakening takes us back to the Son, Father, only to find the greater revelation of who you are. So right now, in your seats, I just want you to silently, I want you to consider and think. Say, where is my state right now? What state am I existing in right now? What is existing in my state? Oh, you're still a son, but there's jealousy there. You're still a son, but there's unforgiveness. You're still a son, but there's this or that that you can put your finger on. I want you to make this the moment you say, you know what, I'm coming to the end of myself. And I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm going to turn from this. I'm going to turn away from this. So that I can experience the Father in a greater way. That you come into agreement with Him. And Father, and as I pray it, this is what I pray for this house to be filled with mature sons, so immature can be safe, so others can be safe. It's a safe house. It's kind of funny. It's that close. It's kind of funny. We, we sang that song, Reckless Love, today. We all love that Reckless song, right? Reckless Love song. Kicks down the night door, goes heads to 99, whatever those verses are, whatever, whatever that says. Like, okay. It's so anti-prodigal son song. <laughs> it's like, hope you weren't planning that. <laughs> Think about it. The prodigal, the father never went looking for the son. I know all about the 99 and the sheep, but let me tell you something. That son left by his own choice, and that son had to come back by his own choice. But when the son chose to come back, daddy says, I got you. I got you. I got you. Let me tell you something. You can't drag a son back when you don't want to go back. I love the song. It's just not a prodigal son song. Now they just ruined our whole song today. Today, repentance is going back to the Father. So Father, you're a good God. You're a good Father. You love us. You call us back. It's your goodness. Your loving kindness, the Bible says, brings us to repentance. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Stand up with me. Let's sing a song. You got anything you want to say, Peter? Grab a mic. Peter always has some tidbits. It's so good to add.
1: There are, in fact, two things. The first one is the willingness of the father to humiliate himself. My children have never embarrassed me, but I have two brothers and they've embarrassed my parents many times. (laughs) And the willingness of the father to expose himself, for a man to run, he had to, Expose his legs, as Pastor mentioned. The humiliation of Christ to win you back bespeaks of his love for you and your worth to him. And yet, the lie is that you feel condemned right now. The lie is that, what am I? I'm worthless. When the very opposite is the truth, God is saying there's value in you. You matter. So much so that the Godhead himself humiliates himself to pursue you when you come back. Wow. The final thing I want to say is kind of a little bit of a downer, but this, of course, for Pastor is a pretty pro- profound message for him to be preaching this week, when he celebrated or acknowledged—I don't know—celebrates the right way. It's certainly not probably the right choice of words. When we observe the anniversary of Nick's homegoing, it's a hard message to preach on a week like this. And so, right now, I think as a congregation. I just want to bless the Belzano family. And so we do that, don't we? And we bless Pastor today. And we bless Penny today. We bless Tony and Eric. We bless the children and the grandchildren. We bless them, Lord, as a family. We ask that the God of all comfort would continue to comfort them and give them divine perspective. Come on, saints, would you pray with me? God of all comfort, be with them today minister to them. Thank you, Lord, that there's maturity in this pulpit to the extent that, Lord, we can hear a message like this on an anniversary like this. Lord, thank you for that. And, Lord, we rejoice that this man has a pastoral heart and he has a heart of a father for others who, not unlike Nick, found themselves in some difficult situations. But he says, you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. And he doesn't kick us when we're down. And Lord, we bless you for that. So we rejoice in you, Lord, and your goodness to us. Oh, the overwhelming love of God. In the name of Jesus.